Okay, if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Daniel. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel. And we'll be in chapter number one tonight. Chapter number one, the book of Daniel. Let's go back and we left off last time. We did get a couple of verses. We did an introduction to the book and looked at a couple of verses. So let's go back and read those two verses and kind of set the setting again of where we're at in the book of Daniel. And, and uh, first of all, what I want you to notice is it's a difficult time. I don't think for a Jew there was a more difficult time than the time that they were going through. And, and that's where, you know, one of the great reasons for studying the book of Daniel, I think we're heading into a difficult time. We're heading to a time where our country is becoming more and more pagan uh, by the minute. I mean, we're waiting on a Supreme Court decision at the end of this month. Actually, if you look through their docket, there's several Supreme Court decisions that are going to affect uh, various aspects of our lives. And uh, a lot of them uh, have to do with moral issues. And uh, what do we do when, when uh, uh, you know, if they rule a certain way, what do we do when, when our country does become more pagan than it already is? How do we handle that? Well, one of the things that's encouraging about the book of Daniel is they, li- they were forced to live in a very pagan culture, much more pagan than, the, well, I don't know, if, I don't say much more, but sort of like the United States. <laughs> Hopefully, uh, much more pagan in the United States, but I, I'm beginning to worry about that. But, but uh, they managed. They managed. They managed very well in that situation. Why did they manage well? Because they had the Lord with them. They and, and they they changed their names. We're going to see that here in a minute. They 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 castrated them. They did all sorts of things to them to to make them as pagan as they possibly could. And it you can't change the heart. You can't jail the spirit of God. You can't suppress the spirit of God. And so no matter what situation we go through, it won't be any worse than what they were in. And they did just fine during that situation. And, and we're going to do that too. So, so let's pick up in verses 1 and 2. It says, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, and we looked at this nasty guy. If, if anybody deserved to be defeated and, and uh, put away, it was Jehoiakim, king of Judah. Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the articles of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar, to the house of his God. And he makes two trips down there. One trip, his father dies, uh, he leaves, then he comes back and sieges sieges. Uh, Jerusalem again. And in that second trip, the rest of the articles of the temple are all these golden articles are taken away. And so uh, we'll see that come up later on. It says, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. You know, I don't think there's anything more uh, uh, disheartening about what took place here than the fact that the very articles or the vessels of the temple of God were placed in the God of a pagan king, in the temple of a God of a pagan king. You know, you, you, know you, you hit rock bottom at that point. But God's still on his throne and God still loves his people, the, the Jews, uh, the Jewish nation, and he's going to take care of his people and he's going to put men in 
charge there or in high positions there that are going to protect his people during this time of captivity, this 70 years of captivity. So anyway, let's, let's pick up where we left off last time in verse number th- uh, three. It says, then king, the king instructed Ashpenaz, the master of the eunuchs, to bring some of the children Israel, some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles descendants. Young man in whom there was no blemish, but good looking. They took the very best of these young men, gifted in all wisdom. I don't know how they tested them on this, but somehow they figured out that these were really sharp young men and possessing knowledge and quick to understand who had the ability to serve in the king's palace. They were such top notch young men that they could actually serve the king and in whom they might teach. The, now watch this and whom they might teach the language and the Bible. Right. No. The literature of the Chaldeans. I mean, these, they, their education is kind of like Moses' education. Moses' education was not biblical the first 40 years. Now, his mother nursed him until uh, he was at least three years old and probably had a hand in his life at, at, for some of those years. So he was getting some biblical education. I'm sure Daniel and these young men had had some biblical education at this point. But they're really going to be immersed in this pagan culture, and they're going to be educated in the language and literature of the Chaldeans. So here's Nebuchadnezzar's plan. He wants to surround himself with the very best of the young men from his, uh, the, the nations that he's captured, the best looking, the brightest of all of them. And then he wants to indoctrinate them, if you look at that verse, in the language and literature of the Chaldeans. And then on top of that, and, and, you know, this had to be pretty terrible. He made these men eunuchs. Now, you know, if you don't know what that means, I'll tell you after, after the service. But uh, why did he do that? He didn't want them to have any distractions. He didn't want, to, he didn't want them to ever become disloyal to him. And, and, and he figured women can do that. Women can distract you. Women can make you uh, unloyal to the king. And so uh, he... He made them eunuchs. And then look at look at verse number five. It says, and the king appointed for them the daily provision of the king's delicacies. I mean, whatever the king ate, they got to eat. So he was kind of wooing them, you know, uh, with food and 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 making them loyal through food. And he also gave them wine, which they drink. Now, you got to believe it was the best wine in the entire world at that time. So they were, you know, they weren't drinking Ripple. They were drinking some pretty good stuff. Uh, and, and, and three years of training them. So that at the end of the time, they might serve the king. And so he's done all of these things. Now, the next thing he wants to do, he's going to try to strip them of their own nationality, of their own religion. So he's indoctrinated them in the, the pagan literature and he's uh, uh, given them food and wine. And these are kosher Jews. He's given them food and wine. And he also he's going to change their names. Now, being young Hebrew men, what kind of names did they have? They, every Hebrew has had a godly name and most Hebrew names have the name of God in it, either El or Yah or Jah. You're going to see one of those names in. I mean, you're going to see the name of God somewhere in their name and uh, he's going to change their names and he's going to take the Yah out of there, the Yahweh and the Jehovah out of there and he's going to give them pagan names. So 
Look at what, look at the names he gives them in verse number six and seven. It says, now from those, from among those of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. To them, the chief of eunuchs gave names. He gave Daniel the name of Belteshazzar. To Hananiah, he gave the name Shadrach. And to Mishael, he gave the name Mishael. He gave the name Meshach. And Azariah, he gave the name Abednego. Now we know Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but we don't know, how many of you know who Belteshazzar is? It's kind of funny how Daniel held on to his name. Now the rest of the guys we call Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but I don't think. Do you think that's because he Do I think that's because Daniel wrote the book? It might have been. I mean, I don't know. I think, it was, I, 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 think, I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that Daniel was, was the man of God that he was. And certainly Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego were too. But, but uh, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know. You know, you're only guessing. I, I think God writes the books. And so the fact he keeps the name Daniel kind of tells me that God just kind of honored his name. None of these guys gave in to this, this culture. And so, so uh, really they all, they all kept their names, their godly names until the end. Let me, let me talk a little bit about those names. Daniel, Daniel, what's Daniel means? God is my judge. Dan is judge, judgment. God is my judge. Daniel, L, God. Daniel is my judge. His name was changed to Belteshazzar, which means keeper of the treasure of Baal. So that was a pretty pagan name he was given. Hananiah's name means Jehovah's kindness. His name was named to Shadrach, which means commanded by the moon god. Mishael, whose name means like God, was changed to Meshach, which means belonging to the goddess Shak. And then Azariah, which means Jehovah is my helper, had his name changed to Abednego, which means the God of fire. But again, I, I, I have no doubt that these men uh, remain loyal to their God to the very end. Now, I've already kind of hit on this lesson, but there, there is a lesson for us here. I mean, all of us, to some degree, have been placed in a pagan culture, in a pagan job, in a pagan school, uh, in a sometimes in a pagan marriage. I mean, we've all been placed in a pa pagan culture. I mean, look, when Jesus prayed his priest, high priestly prayer, listen to what he says. He says, I do not pray that you take them out of this world. And, he, and by that he meant, he didn't mean, you know, you zap them up to heaven. He meant out of the cosmos, out of this world system. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. Jesus went on to say, he says, they are not of the world, but I have sent them into that system. I mean, that's obviously what happened to Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego. They had been placed there by God into that system. But the flip side of that is, Paul says over in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, do not be conformed unto this world. And so the trick isn't trying to get, hide yourself from the culture. As Christians, we retreat from the culture way too much. That's not the trick. The trick is to not be conformed by the culture. And that's where these men were, were, 
were stalwarts in their, their faith and they weren't conformed by the culture. Now, they studied all of these things. They had to study all of these things. And, 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 and they, were, they were immersed in a very pagan culture. But hey, they were in a strategic position placed there by God. And God's going to place you sometimes in a very pagan situation. And, and, and the solution is, oh, wow, get me out of here. I can't handle this. No. Watch what God does with these guys. Watch how God protects them. God will do the same thing for you if you don't kick and scream all the way. If you recognize this, that's where having a good uh, systematic theology about the attributes of God really helps you in your life. And one of the attributes of God is that he is sovereign. Now, if he's sovereign, over, if he's not sovereign over his children, man, find you another God because he's not sovereign over anything. I mean, he's especially sovereign over his children. So that tells me unless you've just rebelled against God and or you're not a Christian, that God is the one who's placed you in the situation you're in. And you might say, there's no way God placed me in that situation. Oh, yes, there is. Now, you might have rebelled and you put yourself in that situation, but it was really God who put you in that situation to keep you, teach you about not rebelling. So ultimately, God is sovereign over all of it. And so uh, he puts him in that position. And then in verse number, I mean, and look how, look how he protects them. Look at what he does. Now, Daniel does something pretty bold right here. He hadn't been around long. And listen to what he says. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. I mean, this is a kosher Jew. And this was not kosher food that was being served up, I promise you. I'm sure it was burnt pork and and uh, ham sandwiches and and all sorts of things that these people did. They shrimp and things that they wouldn't touch lobster and, and things that they weren't supposed to eat. And and I mean, I might have had to turn from from my kosher diet at that point if they laid out lobster. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now, that's a pretty bold request. I mean, but he, even though he's sitting in the very epicenter of the pagan world, he's determined that he's going to serve the Lord. And for him, serving the Lord meant eating a kosher diet. And it, and now, some people are going to run to this text and they're going to make demands that this is the way we're supposed to eat and this is what we're supposed to drink and this is what we're not supposed to drink. That's not in this text at all. I'll show you that in just a minute. But, but uh, for Daniel, it was important. But, but God's going God's to help him serve him even in that environment. Look at verse number nine. Now, God had brought Daniel into favor and goodwill of the chief of eunuchs. Af, af, what's his name? I, I have a hard time pronouncing. Where is it at? Ashfenaz, yeah. I always leave the at that. It's Ashfenaz. So he put, how did God protect Daniel? Let me tell you, what Daniel did was pretty, pretty risky. If, 
Nebuchadnezzar is serving you his best food and his best wine. And you tell him, don't you don't want it. You know what you're, you're saying to the king? You're serving up garbage. You're serving up trash and I'm not going to eat it. Now, Nebuchadnezzar wasn't a man to be trifled with. I mean, when he had people disobey him, he they were toast. We're going to see later on in his own, you know, for entertainment in his own palace. He had a furnace that he would burn people. Anybody that gave him any trouble, he'd burn them alive. But he did things a lot worse than that. If you remember when Zedekiah, with the last king of Israel, was was uh, killed by uh, the last king during the captivity, was killed by uh, Nebuchadnezzar in that last siege. He came and Zedekiah had rebelled. He had placed Zedekiah on the throne and Zedekiah had rebelled. And uh, he captured Jerusalem and took Zedekiah and took all of his family and all of his friends. And you know what he did? You remember the story? He took his family and friends and he killed them one by one right in his sight. And then he had a soldier take a hot sword and put that sword to his eyes and put his eyes out. So that the last thing that he ever saw, and he kept him alive to torture him. The last thing that he ever saw or heard was the death of his family, the screams of his family and friends as they died. So, man, this guy was ruthless. He wasn't a guy to be trifled with. He wasn't a guy to be messed with. And here is Daniel. Man, he's trifling with him. And, and, uh, but, hey, he's got a friend. Who gave him that friend? God gave him that friend. Look at what it says. Now, God brought Daniel into favor and the goodwill of the chief of eunuchs. What's it say in Proverbs chapter 21? The heart of the king is in the Lord's hands. The heart of your supervisor is in the Lord's hands. The heart of your husband is in the Lord's hands. The heart of your children is in the Lord's hands. If the heart, if their hearts are in his hands, what do I need if I'm having problems? I need favor. I need to make it a real priority to get God to change their hearts. If I, if I got a boss or if I want to, you know, I've got trouble at my job, then I pray for God to give me favor with that boss. God can, God can supernaturally, whether that boss is a Christian People, I hear people say, well, you know, God can't do that because my boss is not a Christian. Doesn't matter. The heart is in the Lord's hand. Lord, Lord can change anybody. He can harden a heart. He can soften a heart anytime he wants to. So if you need favor in a situation, ask the Lord. and He can give you favor. Verse number 10. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my Lord, the king who has appointed your food and drink for why should he see your faces looking worse than the young men who are your age. Then you would endanger my head before the king. Now, this guy wasn't a godly man. He didn't fear the Lord. He feared Nebuchadnezzar. But God had given him favor or given Daniel favor in his eyes. And so, you know, he doesn't report him. And he, he says, but he says, man, I don't think I can do that. I mean, I'm risking my own neck if I do that. If the king sees you guys unhealthy and they and they find out it's because you're on a vegetarian diet, then it's going to be my head. But he's got favor and Daniel has favor 
in Ashpenaz's eyes. And so he, he, God can work with that. So look what happens. Verse 11, beginning in verse 11. So Daniel said to the steward whom the chief of eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. They're given their Hebrew names there. Please test your servants for 10 days and let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. So basically a vegetarian diet, diet no Diet Cokes, uh, no wine, no, no grape juice, no nothing. Just water to drink and vegetables. And uh, then let our appearance be examined uh, before you and the appearance of the young man who eat the portion of the king's delicacies. And as you as you see fit, then so deal with your servants. So, uh, you know, he, he he listen to what he said does next in verse number 14. It says. So he consented with them. Now, he takes a big risk. So you get, Daniel had to have a lot of favor in this man's eyes for him to risk his life for Daniel. So he consented with them in this matter and he tested them 10 days. And, and, and at the end of the days, their features appeared better and fatter in the flesh than all the young men who ate the portion of the king's delicacies. Thus the steward took away their portion of delicacies and the wine that they were to drink. Now you know why they hated Daniel. I'm kidding. Uh, maybe that's part of it. I mean, look at this holy roller. He's got us eating carrots and lettuce. And we read all of these delicacies. We were drinking wine and now we're drinking water and eating vegetables. And so uh, you can see where they might have a little bit of a gripe. But uh, uh, it says, hey. Thus the steward took away their portion of delicacies and the wine and they were to drink and gave them the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables. Why did he consent to such a thing? Because he had Daniel had favor in his eyes. Now, let me let me just make a side point here. I, I don't think it's important, but I don't think Daniel and his friends remained vegetarians for the rest of their lives. And they drank nothing but water and vegetables. And I think that's scripturally accurate because if you check the rest of the book of Daniel, whenever Daniel had one of his visions, he fasted before he had that vision. In fact, in chapter 10, you can look at it. In chapter 10, it says he fasted for 21 days. He didn't eat any meat or drink any wine for 21 days. Now, if it says he didn't drink or any wine or eat any meat for 21 days, that tells me at the end of the 21 days he did. So that was a fast. Now, is a diet of vegetables and water good for the body? You better believe it is. I'm not recommending it because I'm, I, you know, I, I wouldn't, you know, if I'm going to recommend it, then I'd have to do it myself and I'm not going to do that myself. But, you know, there are times and I think that's one of the lessons we'll see later on. Fasting where you're trying to cleanse your body. So your body is alert to what the Lord wants to say to you, to the to the alert to the presence of the Lord is a good thing. Maybe a vegetable fast like that with water for 21 days might be a good thing. But but you can't make a doctrine here that that we're to be vegetarians uh, through this through this text is just not there. Uh, 
And that's really the point I was going to make. All right. So it worked for these young men. I mean, look at verses 15 and 16 at the end of the 10 days, they were, they were doing good. And then, and then, uh, the rest of the guys, uh, were forced to go to, 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 to have the same diet. All right. Now let's pick up in verse number 17. As for these four young men, God gave them knowledge and skill. Now watch this in all literature. What's all mean in the Hebrew? All. What's he, is he talking about biblical literature here? If anything would be excluded probably from what they were given wisdom in, it would be biblical literature. I, I mean, the, all of their training was, was secular and pagan. It wasn't biblical. I mean, the Babylonians were known for their wisdom. They were known for their astrology. They were known for their sorcery. They were known for their magic. And that's what they were being trained in. And the Lord, for some reason, gave them wisdom and, and knowledge in these areas. He, he made their minds as such that they could absorb this knowledge and, and apply this wisdom in their life. Why did, why did he do that? Because he wanted them to have favor in the eyes of Nebuchadnezzar. He wanted them to excel above all their peers so that he could use them in this pagan culture. So they had to excel in pagan things in order to be used in a pagan culture. Parents, there's a lesson there. You know, we're in a real dilemma and I still don't believe our country is as pagan as the Babylonian. I mean, we might be more secular, but as pagan as the Babylonian culture, I don't think so. And yet God gives them wisdom in all of this literature. And I think sometimes we, retreat, I've already said it, we retreat from the culture. We hide our kids from the culture. And, 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 I'm, and, and again, I look at the situation that's going on in schools and stuff and cer- certain schools, how some of the things they're teaching, you don't want your kids taught. I'm sure everything, if their parents had seen what they were being taught, they would have had a cow. But God gave them wisdom in these things. So they could excel in that pagan culture. And that's not for everybody. That didn't happen to every Jew in captivity. A lot of the Jews were off, you know, and they had their, their Jewish culture protected. And, and, and I think God wanted that so too. But don't look down on people that immerse their kids in a pagan culture because they want their kids to excel in that pagan culture. So God can place them in a prominent position and he can use them in this lost and dying world. Again, we are, Jesus says, I, I do not pray that you take them out of this world. But we're not to be conformed to the world. They weren't conformed to the world. They were educated by the world. You know, when I went off to seminary, I had so many people tell me, man, you're going to go over to seminary and you're going to, they're going to start feeding you full of these higher critics, uh, the, the, this higher criticism of the Bible and uh, uh, the, the liberal the- theology that you're going to get, and you're going to lose your faith. Listen, a, a person who has faith can't lose their faith in a pagan culture. If a pagan culture could cause you to lose your faith, or pagan education could cause you to lose your faith, I got news for you, you have no faith. You know what happens when you're immersed in a dark situation, your light shines brighter. 
Your faith grows stronger if your faith is real. And so, so sometimes, and I'm not saying it's for everybody, sometimes that's, God is going to put us in situations that are, you wonder, why in the world am I in this pagan job? I mean, I know Jose wonders that all the time. It's pagan boss. I'm teasing. I, but there, you're fortunate, and that's great. I think there's a place for that. But you don't have to, we don't, I think as parents, we have to be willing to trust our kids to the Lord. Our job is to raise them in the Lord. And if their faith is real, the pagan culture is not going to take away their faith. If their faith is not real, you know what? It might be the pagan culture that brings them to the Lord. That happens sometimes. So, so you know, we put God in a box. And we, we should never put God in a box. And, and uh, I mean, obviously, this was not the ideal situation. They were forced into this situation. But God's going to use them in a really powerful in a really powerful way. Let's go ahead. We'll finish this up real quickly. Verses 18 and 19. He says, now at the end of the days, when the king had said that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. Then the king uh, interviewed them, and among them all, none were found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore, they served before the king. So here's the, the king. He interviews and tests them. And, and they, they're the best looking. And they're the most educated. And they're the wisest guys around. And so he's impressed. So not only had God given them favor in, in Ashpenaz's eyes, he gives them favor in the king's eyes, in Nebuchadnezzar's eyes. And, and so, man, they're in a place where God's going to be able to use them. And in all matters of wisdom and understanding about, the, about which the king examined them. Now, what did he examine them about? I mean, he examined them. He didn't examine them on the Bible. I can promise you that. You know, he didn't, he didn't even know what a Bible was. I mean, he, he, he examined them on the literature of, Babel, of Babylon. He examined them on the religions of Babylon. He examined them on the, on the wisdom of Babylon. He examined them on the sorcery of Babylon. And in all matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians. So they were examined on magic because they were ten times better than the magicians. They were examined on astrology. They were ten times better than the astrologers who were in his realm. So these guys learned what they were forced to learn uh, and they learned it well. You know, there's some really interesting things and I'm not going to get into it tonight, but, but there is, there, there is uh, non-biblical literature that supports the idea that Daniel had a high influence on the astrology and magic and, and wisdom of, of the Babylonian culture. And uh, one of the things when we when you, you get to the Christmas story, you get to the Magi, you know, you wonder. I don't know if you can prove that, but you kind of wonder if it was Daniel who infiltrated this this uh, system of astrology and and actually uh, brought in the prophecies that were there about the, the coming of Jesus Christ and 
And these guys were actually looking for it. We know they were looking for it. Now, where did they get that information to be looking for it? Very, very likely that came from Daniel. And so uh, they were 10 times better. Uh, and they weren't biblical scholars yet. They were pagan scholars, but they were they were the best, best, best to be found. Now. Look at what happened. Thus, Daniel continued for a couple of years and he got to go home. He didn't like the situation. He wanted to be home with mom and dad back in Jerusalem. And he got to go home. Daniel continued until the first year of the King Cyrus. He actually continued past that, but he continued. Probably this was written at that point, this part of the text. And that's why it says to the first year, he continued past that. He continued in that situation for the entire 70 years of the captivity. But that's pretty, pretty amazing. I mean, who placed him there? The Lord placed him there. I mean, just look at these guys. I mean, here was Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I hate to give them their pagan names, but I've, that's why I learned them when I was a kid. And I'm gonna, they've got them now. They have to stick with them. I mean, here were these young men. They were taken from their parents at a young age. They were castrated. They were put in the king's court. They were immersed in a pagan culture and a pagan, pagan education. So they were educated in the literature and arts and religion of, of, of the pagan Babylonians. They learned magic, they learned idolatry. And yet there weren't four godlier men living on the earth at that time. Guarantee you there weren't four godlier men than those four guys. And who put them there? God himself. And he didn't put them there for a few months or, or a few years. He put them there all their lives. And so sometimes he puts us in places where we might not rather be. But if he's sovereign, then we're right where we're supposed to be. Unless you're rebelling. And even your rebellion will fit into his sovereign plan. He'll get you back where you're supposed to be. He knows how to do that. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we just thank you for the lessons we learned from the life of these young men. They're, they're, first of all, Lord, their commitment and loyalty to you through whatever situation they were in, Lord, because they understood that you had placed them in that situation. They understood that you're sovereign. They understood that all things work together for the good of those that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Lord, help us to be like that. Help us to look at the situation that we're in and whatever marriage we're in and whatever, whatever job we're in, uh, in whatever neighborhood we're in. And Lord, if, if we're in the wrong job or wrong marriage or wrong neighborhood, show us how, how to get out, Lord. But if we're there because you've put us there, Lord, help us to shine like these young men shined in that situation you'd placed them in. Lord, help us to be light 
in this dark pagan world in which we live. But we can only do that by the power of your Holy Spirit. And we can only do that long suffering stuff, Lord, with joy by the power of your Holy Spirit. So help us to learn these lessons and take them to heart, Lord, by the power of your spirit, through the blood of Christ. It's in his name that I pray. Amen.